This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Delighted to be joined on this episode of Ones to Watch, Christian Otero. Christian, this is an absolute pleasure and an honour to have you on to this particular episode. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to speak to me. My pleasure to be on your show, sir. So this journey that you're on at the moment is is very early on in the professional side of the sport, but Ones to Watch is all about finding your journey out and, and where it all began for you. So suppose the first thing I want to know about you, Christian, is is what it was that got you into to the sport of boxing. Well, you know, I had a I had pretty much a troubled uh, childhood as a, as a kid. I, w- I would say I didn't really have that uh, adult image to be able to guide me in the right direction. So, you know, I had to learn a lot of things on my own as a kid. I actually uh, started boxing at the age of 17. When I first started boxing, I was actually... And I was on probation, you know, going through a, a few troubles. I overcame that, you know, because I found boxing. So what was it that was going on in your life at the time that, that was sort of leading you down that potential path that you, you didn't really want to go down, but you was you was ending up on? Was it just the society you lived in? Was it the area you lived in that, that sort of brought upon them troubles to your life? It was pretty much it was pretty much the um neighborhood that I lived in, you know, my, my you know, being that my family was, you know, influenced by the neighborhood also, you know, my older brother and my father, they were pretty troubled growing up also, you know, so it was just a, a domino effect, more or less and you know, as a kid, I didn't really have that guidance to um, do anything productive in, in any sport. You know, I wasn't a, I mean, you know, I played sports as a kid, but I played sports for my interest, you know, because I love sports. You know, I, I, I used to play baseball and basketball and football. You know, I didn't play on any collegiate, I mean, on any um, on any school teams and nothing like that, but I, I played regularly. I was a natural, I'm a natural athlete. It was something. It was a go-to for me because I didn't really want to get in trouble. You know, I didn't. That wasn't my. That was 
I'm getting in trouble when running the street wasn't my go-to. But at the end, you know, it was the curiosity that brought me in. Was there one particular moment, one pivotal point where you would say that from where you were, it changed and it got you into the position that you're in now, as in you got into the sport of boxing? Well, yeah, you can say my, my humility more or less uh, motivated me to want to be something productive, you know. And once I hit, my mom didn't really want me to box, you know, as a kid. So, you know, once I got of age, you know, um, I just decided to take things in my own hands and uh, start boxing. Because at the time, like I said, I was on probation. You know, I was I was at my lowest in life, you know. And I had to be, I had to be an adult and, and, and make the right decisions for myself, you know, and find something productive that will, you know, help me in my, in my, in my life, you know, that, that I could be able, help, be able to help my family and um, be able to, you know, show them that there's another way other than running the street and, and, you know, selling drugs or whatever the case may be, you know, just, uh, just trying to, you know, Set that set set that influence for the next generation, you know. So before you got into the gym and you started boxing, you started putting on the gloves. Was you was you a fan of the sport? Did you always enjoy the sport in general? Yeah, man, I always been a fan of this sport. You know, actually, the fight that actually uh, made me fall in love with the sport of boxing. You know, I wasn't boxing at the time, but I was seven years old. And my, my oldest brother ordered the pay-per-view Lennox Lewis versus Mike Tyson. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and you know, uh, Mike Tyson got knocked out in the eighth round by Lennox Lewis, you know. And from there, I was just like, man, I want to start boxing, you know. Like, <laughs> see these guys putting hands on each other, you know, for money. I'm just like, shit, I'm trying to do that too, you know. But, like I said, I didn't really have that influence. Like, I didn't really have that influence growing up. So, I had to, you know, wait till I got older to be able to make those decisions on my own, you know, and uh, set the foundation, you know, and and it's just grateful to be in the position that I'm in right now because, you know, my humility, you know, made me what I am today. So you talked about obviously having a little bit of a, a troubled youth and then you stepped into the gym for the first time. Before you stepped in the gym for the first time, would, would you consider yourself to be always quite handy? You know, looking, be able to look after yourself is what I'm saying before you got into the gym. Well, you know, like I have I have brothers and all, you know, so yeah, they were pretty pretty much like they they were they were in the same position as me. So there's but so much influence that they could give me, you know. It was more everything that that we went through was off of curiosity, you know, naive being naive, being in the wrong uh position, you know. So I feel like once I got into middle school, that's when everything pretty much went like left for me because like I said I didn't really have that that father figure you know or I would say st- stable father figure to be able to guide me in the right path so yeah from 6 from 6th grade on I was getting kicked out of school transferred to different schools for fighting and having behavioral issues and uh also my mom had to deal with a lot of ACS which is uh child child protective services and stuff like that so I was being taken away from my mother I was in that foster care since I was 2 so you know that gave me a little bit of trauma also. My misguidance, you know, led me to my curiosity, which is, you know, being on, fighting all the time. I wasn't a bully. You know, I was the bully's bully. You know, I didn't like when bully, the people try to take advantage of other people. You know, like I said, from, from sixth grade on, I was just going from school to school, 
getting into trouble, just trying to hold myself down because I didn't really have that common sense to be able to, you know, know, all right, yeah, don't don't get into this fight. Go to class, Christian. You know, it was just it was it was pretty it was pretty much a rocky road for me when I was a teenager. So it's safe to say that you're a fighter who comes from a family of fighters then? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We've been fighting all our life, man. Actually, my father's a, a Marine. He was dishonorably discharged, but, you know, he, he served the country. You know, he was a welder. He's a great guy. I love him to death. You know, right now he's going through a few troubles himself. But, you know, at the end, all I could do is support him and be there for him. And just, you know, make sure my father's okay because he's getting old. It sounds like you've you you've had a, a fighting upbringing, and you've you've had to do what you've needed to do to get you by in life, and it's turned you to boxing. Now now you're boxing, and I'd like to know what it was like the first time you walked through them doors. Can you remember the day, the first time you walked through the doors, and the first time you put them gloves on? Oh man, I was uh I was 17 and three quarters. By the way, you know, like I said before, I was in the program on probation and stuff like that. This is how it started. I was in the program. You know, my caseworker is like, hey, man, you should go. He has like a box. He had like a boxing card, a, tele, a telecard on his wall. It said Willis Avenue Boxing Club. I'm like, hey, I want to start. But I always wanted to box. You know, I'm 17 now. Let me let me, let me me make this decision for myself. You know, and I asked him, like, you think I should go there? He was like, yeah, man, it's going to keep you out of trouble. You know, so, I, you know, I decided to start boxing at Willis Avenue Boxing Club in 2012, May of 2012. Um... The first time I ever walked into a boxing gym, um, it was just, it was amazing, man. Everybody was jumping rope and people were shadow, um, sparring in the ring and, and you know, everybody was working hard. And I seen that, you know, I went straight to the office. You know, I was speaking to the main, the main coach. His name is Joey Delva. And he, um, you know, I, I asked him, how, how can I start boxing? Like, you know, I want to fight, you know, I'm trying to compete, you know, I want to be great. And the first thing he tells me is, man, you got to learn how to, you got to learn the technique first. You know, you got to, you got to learn the discipline. So take your time, you know, and that's what I did. You know, I just, you know, took my time. I found that influence. You know, I had a few friends that weren't, were in the sport of boxing that, that, you know, uplifted me, you know, kept me in high spirit in high regard. So, you know, I just, I, I took that, I took that energy, I took that momentum and I ran with it, you know, and and I've been working hard ever since, man. So you obviously had an amateur career. I got 101 amateur fights, you Is know, that, wow. um, my end in my amateur career, number seven in the country. My record was 70 and 31. You know, I fought the lights of Rashad Mati, the Albanian bear. I fought uh, Richardson Hitchens. I done fought uh, John Bowser, who signed with... Uh, um, top rank. I fought uh, Niall O'Connor from Ireland. He was, a, I think, three-time national champion. I fought a lot of well-renowned guys to be able to develop and gain that experience to be where I am now. So so how long have you been uh, boxing for then before you turned professional? How long was your amateur career? Um, my amateur career was, I would say, pretty much about seven and a half years. I didn't. I was fighting local for about a good six six years, man, because uh, my coaches weren't really invested in putting me in any nationals because I was older, mind you. I was 17, 18, so I came into the sport as an adult, you know. So they try to skyrocket my career as fast as they can, just to be able to make me turn pro. And I made my own decisions because, you know, 
I felt like the decisions that the coaches were making for me weren't really to my best interest. What was the experience like then throughout your amateur career? Obviously, I know you were mainly local for, for, for six out of the seven years you were boxing as an amateur, but when you got the opportunity to travel, to, to go to different places in the country to, to box, what, what was it like for you, the experience of travelling up and down and maybe fighting more than once a day, things like that? How was that for you? Well, being that I've been through so much in my life, you know, Fighting, fighting in tournaments, fighting in, uh, you know, club shows and stuff like that was so fun to me, you know, because I did it on a regular, you know, I fought in the street, I fought in school, I fought, fought with my brother, you know, I was just like, you know, this is, this is a great experience for me, you know, and it's, it's more of a productive guidance, you know, which I would say, you know, like, you know, how people play basketball, they love it, they play, you play football, you love it, soccer, you know, and, um, I was just like, you know, this is the sport for me, you know, because I don't have to fight in the street, <laughs> you know. I'm just, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I love. And how did you find that that affected your your life away from from the ring? You know, obviously when we did started the conversation, you were talking about how the upbringing was, how it was difficult, how you was getting into trouble, how you was on probation. Then you got into boxing. Then you become an amateur and, and being competitive. How did that affect your personal life? Well, you know, uh, when I started when I started boxing, it affected my life in a great way. I was able to turn a negative into a positive, you know. And once I started boxing, my my personal life became more productive, you know. I you know I've always I've been for, I've been I've been working since I was fourteen, you know, in summer youth uh, programs and and you know with my with, with my with my brother, you know, we used to do little dog walking jobs and stuff like that. And, you know, that was that was the productive part. That was me trying to find my way into some type of productivity in life, you know, and trying to become an adult at, at a young age. I had to learn how to become an adult at a, at a young age and try to make um, traces for myself because my mom was sick. Um, and uh, more or less, I just, you know, I just, you know, I was like, you know, we need to, we need to turn this negative into a positive. It's good. It's it's so far, you know, it's it's great to hear the fact that you've been able to turn that negative into 100% positive and you finished your amateur career and you turned professional last year just in the midst of everything happening with, with COVID-19 and the way that's affected the world and the way that's affected boxing and the grassroots of the sport. What was What was that like for you then making that decision to turn over and what was it that made you make the decision to turn over when did you feel you was did you feel you was ready did you have the guidance to, to turn professional well i had a goal i had a goal and a, um expectation that i was that i was trying to reach you know i was trying to get 100 amateur fights but in the midst of that at the end of 2009 well i would say the whole 2019 i adopted the goal you know being that i had so much experience i was like you know let me try to make the olympic trial let me try to qualify for the olympic trials and see if i can make the usa team you know, so the whole year before COVID, I um, adopted this goal. Me and my me and my brother, his name is Juan Otero, Coach um, Coach Jr. AKA Coach Jr. Shout out to him, man. Um, he uh, you know, we, we was just like, you know, let's try to make these Olympics. You know, like we, we we looking at all the talent. We're like, yo, man, like this is like, you know, we we can we can hang with these guys. You know, so we were fighting in these national tournaments, trying to qualify. We were losing on the third, fourth day. You know. Mind you, in national tournaments, you got to fight a consecutive six days. 
you know. So that's another humility, you know. You have to freaking stay mentally strong during that, you know. So uh, that prepared us, you know, my experience, you know, the all the amateur fights that I have prepared us to to make to go to that next level and turn pro. And I was supposed to make my pro debut early last year in 2020 in April, yeah. and um. You know, unfortunately, COVID came around like February or so, you know, so my, my debut got pushed back a little bit. But, you know, I continued to train hard, even though gyms closed down and stuff. You know, I, I stood motivated. You know, I even hung up a bag in the middle of my living room. And I still, you know, I just continued to network in the midst of qualifying for for the USA trials, which, I, you know, I, I you know fell short, unfortunately. I met. This this beautiful soul by the name of Jason Scalzo, you know, and now he's my manager. Also, well-renowned director of boxing is love via Boxro, and you know he uh, was trying to more or less give me that 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 influence, you know, to um you know and um somewhat trying to you know be a part of my career. I would say not somewhat. He you know he he plays a big part in my career, and I appreciate him dearly. So let's talk about that professional debut. It happened later on in the year. It happened on the 31st of October 2020. And I believe there is a little bit of a story behind this pro debut. So I'd, uh, I'd love you to share that story and, and just explain what that pro debut was like. Everything from the lead up to it, the build up, you walking into the ring for the first time. And of course, the person on the other side of the ring. I was supposed to make my, I was supposed to make my pro debut on October 17th, right? And... My manager, Jay, he was, you know, searching left and right to get me on this show and that show and sell me to this promoter and that promoter. And, you know, being that I'm 26, you know, is but so much uh, uh, selling you can do when you have someone that's pretty much almost reaching their prime, you know, but the experience, you know, that's that's what's going to skyrocket the, 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 the ability to be able to, like, you know, it was, it was, it, that's what got me, you know, like he, he more or less, you know, uh, was trying to sell me to all these promoters and stuff like that. And, you know, I, you know, I, I guess they re- didn't really show interest. So, you know, he, he, he got, he got in touch with, uh, uh, James Tony promotions and sold, sold me like hell, man. And he told them like, you know, I'm an amateur, I'm an amateur standout, you know, I, I was ranked and all right. So yeah, I was supposed to fight October 17th. And we find an opponents left and right, and everybody's pulling out and stuff like that. Uh, that show got canceled, you know, because of COVID. Then we were supposed to fight October 24th. That got canceled because of venue issues and COVID uh, restrictions. And then uh, October 31st, man, Halloween, you know, it felt, it felt, it felt right on a good day, man. Even though, you know, Halloween is kind of an evil day, you know, uh, I, I just ran with it, you know, because, you know, like I said, I've been through so much humility, you know, and I just, you know, the day when the day came, I made sure I made the best of it. So what about the the opponent yourself? I mean, I believe there's a there's a story that I've been told about this that, that, that talks about them not originally fighting an opponent at your own weight and that you eventually ended up having to fight someone at a higher weight uh, as a result of, like you said, people pulling out, COVID restrictions, all these things, and, and, and this adversity happening. I suppose I'll let you tell that story, but I also want to know how you how you adapted to that as well. Okay, so I was supposed to be, I was supposed to be making my debut at 135, lightweight. 
And I'm originally 130 pounder. So, all right. You know, with, um, I was supposed to fight some guy, you know, he didn't get, he didn't get approved or I guess he got injured or whatever the case may be. So two days out from, from flying out to, to my fight in the wings and stuff like that, they found me a guy from the Bahamas. His name is Tyrone Oliver. He uh, qualified for the Olympics in 2016, but he was unable to go due to um, the inability of the commission to be able to find um, funds to send him out to the Olympics. So pretty much I had to fight an undefeated Olympian in my first pro debut, two weight classes up, uh, welterweight, you know, and, and we were just like, fuck this, man. We were just like, you know, we, we, we got to, you know, we got to get the job done. You know, we, we sold so many, we sold so many merch. We sold, we sold the pay-per-view, you know, th- by the way, it was streamed on Vire Live TV, new platform that is being streamed. Man, they, you know, we were just like, hey, man, we, we going to take this, you know, because we, we've been through worse, you know. So we got in there with, with a guy that was one know, one KO, you know, from the Bahamas. He's an Olympian, you know, the day of the weigh-in, I came in looking like the Joker, you know? <laughs> and that, you know, the Joker, he smiles, right? But he smiles away, he smiles to, 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 you know, kind of block his pain and his yep. struggles, you know? And that's what I, that's what I went and doing. I, I portrayed the Joker to show people that, you know, I go, I've been through so much struggles, but in the end I'm going to smile, you know, and I'm going to give you hell. You know, so he, you know, he, I guess he was intimidated by that. And we went in there and we outclassed him. You know, he put his hands on me during the weigh-in. He was talking a whole bunch of scrumptious stuff. And I loved it, man. I was just like, yeah, man, I'm going to run with this and I'm going to give you a good one tomorrow. I'm going to beat your butt. (laughs) (laughs) That's certainly one way to start your professional debut, isn't it? Like, sometimes it's just a, a relatively quiet debut for most fighters and you get your four rounds in or you you, you maybe you stop him or whatever but then to, to have this type of I'd, I'd call it adversity but in your eyes it doesn't sound like it it was for you it sounds like you you absolutely reveled in the opportunity more than than treating it as adversity yeah i was just like you know i don't i, I fought listen in the amateurs i fought in three weight classes i fought at 132 pounds i fought at 141 pounds uh 60 kilograms 64 kilograms and 69 kilograms you know so i was going up and down getting all this experience from different guys you know you know and i fought some hard dudes man in 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 new york you know new york is probably the hardest competition in the world you know compared to you know russia and cuba and stuff like that you can actually compare us to them you know because we have so many styles we have so many tough competitors in new york that I just overcame whatever obstacle that that was brought my way. So let's talk about your career now going forward. Uh, I believe you've got a fight scheduled in his, at the end of the month. Is that correct? Yes, sir. I'm fighting on January 30th in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, on a Christy Martin Promotions card, which is which will be uh, live stream on his newly streamed uh, boxing boxing live stream called BXNG, uh, which was uh, established by my by my by my manager. Coat, my manager, um, Jason Scalzo, you know, a s- smart guy, you know, he's just, he's a great guy, you know, he he he, may, he incorporates such a, uh, uh, 
a great foundation, you know, and, and he, he was the one that looked, um, you know, found this uh, BXNG live, live stream and, and, you know, hopefully, you know, be able to tune in. Absolutely. Well, obviously, you've told people where, where to find it now. So people that listen to this interview, hopefully, will be able to tune in, watch the fight on the 30th of January. And it's, it's the second time you're going to be in the ring. It's very early days for you at the moment with your professional career. And there's a lot to, to, to work towards. And there's a lot of things that you're going to probably go through throughout the course of your career. But when you turn professional, ideally, where where did you see yourself getting to? Where Where do you see yourself going as a professional you know i put a little bit of pressure on myself because i'm 26 years old but i consider myself somewhat of a semi-olympian you know being that i have so much experience so you know i'm i'm looking forward to skyrocketing my career within the next two years becoming a prospect by the end of this year you know so i could be able to fight for a title within the next two years two and a half years mark my words either you heard it first and what sort of progression levels are they in in the USA compared to what they they are in the UK? I mean, just to give you a bit of context to that, like we have the the sort of area titles, then you move on and then you sort of get your domestic titles. Like we have the British, then there's the Commonwealth and then the European and people move up to the world. But I know it's slightly different in, in the USA. So what, what sort of levels do you go through? Uh, as a professional and, and where you aim to go towards in terms of, of the sort of smaller domestic titles? Well, for me, I'm not really look. I'm not looking for domestic titles, you know? But if that's something that is brought in my path, then, you know, we, we will execute that. But, you know, um, you know, just like, just like the UK, the UK and the US is so similar, you know, because we have our own little small regions and they, every region fights for a title, you know, depending on the fighter and where he's from or whatever the case may be, right? So since I'm from New York, we have the New York State title. We have the NABF, which is more or less a regional title that, that ranks you within, you know, the the the, re, the, the country yep. or, the, or the region in your area. You know, they have like all these little small titles and stuff like that to put you in the top 50 and the top 100. And I'm not really looking for that. I'm just looking for a formidable opposition to be able to put me in the right position to get me in the top 15, top 10. So hopefully within the next two and a half years, I could be able to fight for a world title. Again, safe to say then that you're probably not going to be looking for too many learning fights, but more so maybe quality over quantity. Oh, it's all about, it's all about, yeah, quality over quantity. But it's all about learning because you can't learn fighting in the beginning. You can't learn, especially if you have experience. You can't learn fighting a guy that's zero and two, Zero and eight, one and two. The development is vital. So I feel, for me, my perspective, I feel like, you know, a guy, a fighter like me that has experience, I have to go in there and continue to excel my opponent. Every opponent that I have has to be better and better and better because if if not, then you're not going to be able to develop in a proper manner. You get me? I agree. And, and that's what it's all about. Me looking on the outside of things, I've always said, that's how a fighter really should develop because people that go in there 10, 15 fights down the line and they're fighting guys with losing records all the time 
a lot of these guys are there and they're paid to survive and, and people inside of the sport know this. People on the outside don't know that. So it is quite frustrating for someone like me who sits there and watches these guys develop and thinks, come on, we know you're better than, than this. You need to be pushed up a level. And it's, it's refreshing when I hear people like yourself who say, right, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And you've got that backing to do it. And also, it's not just that. You've got great guys in the gym that you're with you obviously sparring at the moment and helping Stephen Fulton prepare for his upcoming world title fight so that sort of experience is invaluable yeah man I'm just you know I'm learning from the experience you know I've sparred the likes of Josue Vargas I've sparred Richardson Hitchens getting him ready for the Olympics I've sparred Rashad again you know I've, I've sparred my rivals you know even though we had to fight at the end you know business is business even in the amateurs so I've sparred all these renowned guys that have had so much amateur experience that were, you know, guided in the right path and stuff like that. And that helped me to be able to get where I am now, you know, and make the decisions that I that I that I make now. You know, I, I learned from other other people's experience, you know, and and you know, I felt like that helped me be aware of the path that I wanted to go down. And it's great to to hear the story. It's great to hear everything that you've explained to me. On, on this conversation that we're having and it's good to hear where you want to go and you sound like you've got everything laid out for you in your own mind and I'd like to take it away from from your career just for a moment really just to talk a little bit more about you obviously boxing is everything you do at the moment but for people that are listening what what else do you do what else do you do what what makes you tick what do you do outside of the ring what gets you going well at the moment I'm I'm dedicating my, my, my life right now to boxing. I really don't do much at home. You know, I stay home. I watch a lot of videos on on business, you know, and I'm just trying to build my, my business etiquette to be able to create some type of foundation for myself and be able to help other fighters and stuff like that. My main focus is boxing, you know. When I was qualifying for the Olympic trials on the verge, um, I quit my job. I was working for SoulCycle, which is a spinning company. And I was a bike mechanic. And I felt like it was, you know, backbreaking. It was a lot of hardship. So, I, you know, I quit my job. I haven't been working for about a year and three months because I've just been fully dedicated on my pursuit to a world title. And, you know, right now, it's just mainly boxing. And I go to the gym every day, six to seven days a week. You know, I'm... I'm incorporating strength and conditioning to get stronger, you know, just trying to make something out of this because, you know, I wouldn't say that this is my way out because there's other means, there's other uh, resources. I can go back to school. You know, I didn't get to finish school as a child. I just, I want to, I want to, you know, just stay fully dedicated and, and just committed to this sport. This is my main focus at the moment until I'm able to incorporate, uh, incorporate otherwise. Do you watch a lot of the sport aside from from what you're doing yourself? I mean, do you watch a lot of the live shows that are on, and and do you do you do any research? You know, go on YouTube and look for certain fights that you you want to study certain fighters' styles and just sort of admire. You know, I mean, I'm talking about guys like Roy Jones Jr. in his heyday, Penel Whitaker, Julio Cesar Chavez, people like that who've got these certain styles where you can you can just admire them and, and then look at them, and then you go into the gym and you have this sort of inspiration to 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 want to learn things and do things better than what you did them yesterday is that something right. you do yeah i watch old fights you know i watch the lights of marlon starlin lloyd honeygan i watch chris eubank i watch uh i watch you know um i watch mike tyson i watch 
One of my favorite fighters is uh, Bernard Hopkins, my, my favorite fighter all the time. Uh, you know, I watch all these guys, but I also try to stick to my generation, you know, because, yeah, you can gain some development from the old fights and stuff like that. But I feel like, you know, we have a new style nowadays, you know? Yeah. And just like just like boxing and in basketball, and basketball is the same way, you know? Back in the days, they weren't able to uh, do certain things on the court that now they can do, you know? Yeah. So in boxing, you know, for me, I watch the lights now of, like, Devin Haney. That's one of my favorite fighters to watch right now because he's my he's in my weight class. Um, I watch Ryan Garcia from time to time. I watch uh, Tevin Farmer. That's another one of my favorite fighters. You know, I would say my top three. Um, uh, you know, I watch a lot of, like, boxing interviews. I watch a lot of, like, managerial uh, managerial uh, uh, um, introdu- introduction, like, you know, introductories and yeah. uh, how they, you know, they introduce people to the sport and the business of boxing. Like um Adrian Clark, uh, Adrian Adrian Clark is from Texas. He uh, uh he he's one of the biggest managers right now in Texas. You know he talks about how you um you have to um protect yourself at all times. You know not only physically yeah. in the ring, but business wise. You know you need to know what position you're putting yourself in. You know what your what your purse is. You know and the the and what opportunities you're creating for yourself as a fighter. You know, because, yeah, your manager can put you in a good position, but it's up to you to be able to execute and open more doors, you know? Absolutely. And it's great that you, you, you're doing that, to be honest with you, because you see so many fighters and so many stories of fighters where because they've not educated themselves or they've had the right guidance, it's led to it's led to some unfortunate situations for them. Some people go into the sport earn a lot of money and then walk away with nothing there's, there's a lot of people over here the, in the, wrong, UK. With the, wrong, with the wrong perception the wrong perception everybody if if you're gonna get into the sport of boxing make sure you don't only perfect your craft but learn the etiquette you know gain some knowledge on the business side and know what positions you're putting yourself in because in the end if you don't ask questions if you're not boisterous you're gonna get taken advantage of. The sport yeah. is this is dirt sport. Yeah, it certainly is that. And I want to sort of finish this up really by just finding out, you know, finally from you now what the next what the next twelve months is gonna hold for you. I mean, we know we've got a lot of things going on in the world, and I don't want to use that as the, the the pivotal talking point with this. But ideally, for you. Where where do you see yourself by the end of the year? Do you reckon you'd have maybe two, maybe three, maybe even four fights by the end of the year, given sort of this, the restrictions going on? Do you think you'll be able to get a few of them fights by the end of this year? Well, you know, with restrictions or not, it doesn't even matter. I'm going to stay active and productive. You know, um, I look forward to having at least eight fights this year and ending the year uh, entering prospect status to be able to skyrocket my career to the next level. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm hungry, you know? And like I said, I'm 26, you know, I'm not reaching my prime yet, but I'm just trying to gain that development properly. And I'm calling guys out, man, this year, you know, wanting to know or not, it doesn't matter, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm trying to 
uh, uh, skyrocketing my career to the next level and be able to um, gain prospect status and and hopefully get signed or or um, sign a network contract with the with the, with the promotion to be able to fight on their undercards and you know gain the maximum benefit out of it because I want to be able to um, accumulate not only experience and development but also fans. You know, I want to get myself out there, you know, so if it takes me fighting over 500 guys or whatever the case may be, I'm just trying to stay active and productive. And hopefully by the end of this year, I should be reaching prospect status. So it leads me nicely on to finding out where people can find you on social media. People that want to follow your journey, that have enjoyed you telling your story and, and where you're at and where you want to go. Where can they find you on social media to follow that journey? You can find me on Facebook at Christian Otero my full name, or you can find me on Instagram at christian.otero.boxing. And I'm coming out, hopefully within the next three months, I should be coming out with my own apparel. Um, it's called Veneno Gear, so make sure you follow my page there for um, updates. Christian, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you and, and you sharing oh, your I've, journey. Most, most definitely, absolute pleasure, man. Um, I appreciate you for, for, for having me on your, po- your podcast. This is actually my my first time being on a podcast, you know, first time for everything, man. And um, I just, I just, you know, I, I appreciate this dearly and hopefully we can get more interviews in soon. Well, this is it. The Ones to Watch series is all about seeing where you are now and we've got your journey now. It'll be good to catch up with you in another 12 months, maybe January 2022 and see where you're at and, and see what the developments have changed and what's happening in your life. And this is the, this is what it's all about. It'll be great to catch up with you then to see where you are because it's going to be hopefully an exciting year for you. And maybe this time next year we'll be speaking about like what fights you've been involved in, maybe you've took some opportunities, you've seized the moment, maybe, or maybe that'll happen next year and we're going to look forward to it. But either way, it's, it's great to speak to you and thank you so much for coming on. Most definitely. Oh yeah, and make sure you tune in January 23rd on Showtime, Stephen Fulton versus Leo Angelo for the WBO title. It's, still, it's Stephen Fulton's time, man. Cool boy Steph is going to go in there and he's going to put in work. You know, he's been giving me hell this, these past two weeks, you know, in sparring. And I've been giving him hell also. You know, I've been, he's well prepared, you know, so make sure you tune in January 23rd and January 30th. Myrtle <laughs> yeah. Beach, South Carolina, Christy Martin's card. Don't forget. Thanks very much for coming on. We really appreciate your time. Speak to you soon. Appreciate you too, man. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.